Praise the Lord. Everybody, there we go. Well, the Lord is good. And it's good to be in His house praising Him. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord? Magnify Him. Let the Lord be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. 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 I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, bless your name. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, what an honor and a privilege to be called upon to minister in this, in this great conference again this year. And uh, I just have to admit this and say this, that uh, I preach a little here and there, but of all the honors bestowed upon me, I feel uh, so honored to be able to have a part in this meeting, this admit touching the lives of, uh, of uh, ministers, their wives, prospective ministers, their wives, and I feel honored to be a part. I just have a feeling in these closing moments of this great dispensation that standing here in this place are men and women who are going to be used mightily of God in the very near future. And, oh, God, to be able to be able to somehow get in your heart and in your mind that God wants to use you in the closing hours of this dispensation. And uh, we, are, we, are, uh, uh, we are in a race with time. And, uh, but we can't hurry God's process. Every man must submit himself to what God has for him. I want to thank God for Elder Moody. What he just talked to us, oh, how rich, how wonderful. Thank God, and uh, thank you, Brother Moody. This, this just uh, opens the door. Actually, I could uh, ditto a few things, and everybody would be happy. We could go home and get some rest. But uh, if you wouldn't mind standing for a few more moments, I trust I've said everything that I need to say. I am looking forward to the next sessions. I'm especially looking forward to Friday morning, 9 a.m. I have somewhat to say since my wife wouldn't give me any cues. She wouldn't tell me. So you blame my wife because she wouldn't tell me what to say. If she had told me what to tell y'all, it would have been safe. But now you're in trouble because she would not speak. She said, well, maybe God perhaps could speak to you what to tell the ladies. Oh, well, we don't want to get a fuss started here before I get into this. But uh, we have a good time, and I am looking forward, ladies. I do feel honored uh, to be able to uh, speak to you there at 9 o'clock. I want you to turn in the Bible to the 119th Psalm and... Uh, what I have tonight is very, very simple and uh, very, very plain and uh, no deep theology here, but I hope to get in somebody's heart. I hope that somehow in this 
would uh, give you give you some kind of uh, desire for the rest of these sessions that you'd dig in as never before and purpose to apply what you receive here uh, in your life. Will you help me tonight? Will you help me tonight? I need the help of the Lord. Amen. And God being our helper, we won't be long. I know many of you are tired from travel and uh, you're here. Some of us just tired anyway. Just, just we just tired, so let's be let's be honest about it. But uh, these are times of refreshing as well as instruction, and we want to see if uh, the Lord would use what little we have here. I want to read from the 119th Psalm, if you would please, and uh, I'd like to read the 73rd through the 75th verse. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. NIV says, and formed me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Thy hands have made me and formed me. And uh, one more reading from First uh, Chronicles 28 and from verse 19. And this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. God made me understand by writing his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. Amen. If I could uh, preach uh, and talk from a very simple little subject, just one word, hand made hand made hand made would you pray and ask god to help me in jesus name oh god hallelujah 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 I love you, I love you, I love you. I need you, oh God. I need you, oh God. I need your strength. I need your help. God, send forth your hand upon us, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah, you can be seated. Just the other day in the springs, uh, Brother uh, Pixler, Brother Steve Pixler and another a young minister were uh, talking, and uh, boy, they just got me all excited. They were talking about a place down in Cowtown in Fort Worth where you could uh, 
pick up a pair of custom-made, handmade boots. And I think they had drug uh, Brother Pageant down there one time. But they was telling me about those, uh, this place, and I was very aware of this, uh, of this company, M.L. Letty. And they make boots and they make saddles. And a few years ago, I answered an ad in the paper and went and looked at one of those M.L. Letty saddles and, uh, that was custom made. And the, the, the man was trying to sell it, and it was custom built for him. He probably weighed 120 pounds and was about five foot two. The five foot two worked, <laughs> but the saddle didn't fit. But when I looked at it, it was handmade by M.L. Letty. Fritz, my old buddy, told me, said, you better go look at that saddle. You can get something handmade from M.L. Letty. You need to go get it. And so I went and looked at it, but the saddle didn't fit, so I didn't wear it. And uh, but uh, it, it's incredible that uh, that uh, there are still some uh, folks in this world that still make things by hand. And Brother Pixler told me that I could get a pair of those ostrich skin boots, and uh, he just talked about it like it was water off a duck's back. But eighteen hundred dollars starting price didn't quite. Uh, fit my wallet, and so uh, I probably never will have a pair of uh, custom-made, he's not wearing any either, <laughs> but uh, those uh, custom-made, handmade boots, uh, just, uh, they just, handmade things just have a different meaning to them, man, I have a, I have a, a, a quilt that's sort of worn and tattered, actually it's, it's given to my wife, but it was made by my mother many, many years ago, and it's uh, a little more dear, and we cherish it a little more because mom has passed away. But uh, I know how mother made that. She didn't, uh, she didn't uh, you know, just uh, go get a quilt top and sew it to some, what do they call that? Uh, well, no matter what they call that, but they put it all together. And no, no, mom took pieces of of uh, this uh, fabric and that fabric and she sewed it all together by hand. She didn't even have a machine back then when I was a kid and she sewed those pieces together and then put it together as, as, a, as a quilt. And you know, you can't help but stop and think, what was mother thinking about with every stitch? Which child out of nine did, was her mind on? Or, or what, uh, uh, maybe she was thinking about her garden growing back there. Who, who knows? But every once in a while when you pick up one of those handmade items and, and it just has something about it that is very personal, even intimate when you think about those things. And uh, I'm not privileged to uh, own very many handmade things, but uh, I do have an old uh, Angorian goat horn that my grandfather fashioned in 1914. He fashioned it into a hunting horn that he called his dogs with, and, and I was a, a privileged young man, me and my cousin Wayne, when we'd go down that old trail on Saturday night, and Grandpa's listening to his dogs run, and one of us got to carry the horn, and sometimes granddaddy'd let us carry the old kerosene lantern. 
Brother Howard gave me an old kerosene lantern that nearly matches the one Grandpa had. But uh, you know, to know that that uh, almost a century ago, my own grandfather took his knife and other instruments and he carved and he whittled and he shaped a mouthpiece and he made that. It's, it's handmade. It's just different when things are handmade. We live in the age of mass production. I guess a computer's pretty valuable until they're able to put all them parts on the assembly line and stamp them out in, in minutes. All of those kind of things. I suppose that, that uh, you know, uh, an automobile, you don't see many handmade automobiles. I think the last manufacturer went bankrupt. He made that little aluminum uh, seagull-looking thing back there, and uh, it, it didn't, uh, well, it just didn't make it, but it was handmade. Now they are priceless. You can't buy one of those things. But the thought that goes into it, when something's being handmade, there's a, there's a bull, Billy Cook saddle that the, this man owns that he got from me. It was handmade, handmade, and not a real expensive thing, but it's handmade. And there's something about knowing that somebody put every intricate detail in it. It wasn't stamped out on some machine, cut out on some machine. Somebody took a knife and cut it, and somebody carved all the design in it. Somebody put it together. Handmade things are a lot different than those that are manufactured. We live in the age of mass production and everything is run off the assembly line. And, and uh, somebody used the word a minute ago, just like, just like cloning everything. It has no individuality. It has uh, no shape that is individualized. It's just a stamp. And I might as well get where I'm going. We are seeing young men mass produced today almost cloned into the ministry. Man, we are seeing those that, that uh, have not allowed the hand of God to shape them, to mold them, to move them. You walk down through the corridors of many conventions and, and you see the same body language. Brother Moody called it body English. That's all right, whatever it is. It's, uh, and you see this, the same mannerisms. And, uh, you know, till I don't know, I guess I don't fit in that generation anymore, but I, I just kind of get tired of this. Hey, Doc. Hey, Bo. And, uh, and then the preaching is likewise. You know, it's, it's, it's all what moves a crowd today. What moves the crowd today? What'll get them on their feet and, and uh, make the teeter-totter? That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Can I get down where I want to go in just a minute? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, God, uh, the writer said, his hand has shaped me. His hand has formed me. His hand has fashioned me. And he said in another place, it, has, it is God who made us and not we ourselves. 
Praise God. In a lot of places in the world, there may be self-made men, but in the ministry, if it's going to work and be of God, hallelujah, there are no self-made men. I am absolutely, absolutely amazed at the, at, at what uh, uh, the business world and uh, all of that, how much of it has drifted into Pentecost about uh, ladder climbing and uh, the road to success and making our way up the corporate ladder, man, until many of those things are brought from the corporate world right to ministerial seminars and taught business principles, corporate principles of the ministry. I've heard topics and my wife's heard topics uh, uh, taught by leading musicians about uh, how to deal with the pastor about your paycheck. And all of these things are reasoned out. Man, do you hear me today? Oh, God, until we're just uh, like a bunch of clones uh, and uh, re repeating uh, one another and uh, uh, everybody can get the same message off the Internet and preach it simultaneously on Sunday night. Man, I think that you understand that admit, admit is a, a different kind of animal. I thank you if you let me use that term. It's a different kind of place. We are not here to teach you how to climb up the ministerial ladder to get to the top. Because there ain't no top. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever you think the top is. And uh, maybe when I get through, you'll understand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God for a God who has formed me, this rubber stamp ministry. And there's fads even in our worship going around Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, it, it just kind of catches on over here. There's a fad about bringing money up to the altar while the preacher's preaching. My lands put it in the offering plate. Don't make a show out of doing it. Just put it in the offering plate. Bring it in on the first day of the week as every man purposed in his heart. We don't have to make a big show. But now if you got any we want to throw down up here tonight, I, I, I wouldn't stop you. But there's all kinds of fads going around, things going around. And you know, we, we in, in modern day oneness Pentecost are, are not exempt from these kind of things. You know, we kind of all chuckled about the, the laughing thing down there in Florida and spread up the Toronto blessing uh, a few years ago. But we, we got our own fads that come through Pentecost. And through it all, here are young, impressionable men and women sitting here today that I pray you'll never let those things touch you and move you and cause you to want to go that direction because in this place tonight is the hand of God outstretched, ready to put on young men and young women and begin to fashion and to mold and to change and to make an anointed ministry out of 
teams of husbands and wives and out of uh, young men who can evangelize, but it'll take the touch and the hand of God. Let me say this. God loves sanctified individuality. Thank God we all don't have to weigh the same and wear the same size suit. You know, uh, uh, you might have not have noticed it, but when I was a kid in Oklahoma, I could tell, and Brother Enzi could say it. I can't say it quite like they say it, uh, but uh, uh, you could tell when it was Church Christ, the way they said baptized. Did I get it pretty good? Because they was all taught to say baptized, baptized. And uh, y'all never noticed that, did you? Maybe that's, maybe their little fad's gone now. Maybe they don't baptize anymore. But <laughs> I'm sure they do. We don't have much Church of Christ up in our part of the world. But, but uh, you know, uh, Pentecost just sort of, I'm glad we all say praise the Lord. But God loves someone that his hand has shaped and molded and caused to be like they are. When I look at the, the folks who've been asked to participate in this particular meeting, you know there's not a one of them alike. And there's only one, Brother Moody. There's only one, Brother Enzi. They, you know, they don't, Step to the pulpit just alike. They don't have all their phraseology just alike. And there's, there's those that are polished and, and uh, uh, got more brains than God ought to let them have. And uh, on and on and on. And, and uh, here I am somewhere at the bottom of the scale. And, and uh, you, you just look around. But when God puts it all together in his plan. Now I can't speak from where you are. But uh, from these men, I can tell you that uh, if I went through their individual lives, that there's a process of God that started many years ago with the mighty hand of God shaping, molding, causing them to be what they are today. You heard one man give his testimony and we all love to hear Brother Moody tell about being on the, on the plains and the wind-blown hillsides of, of uh, Wyoming picking up aluminum cans. Boy, that's our hero. I want to tell you something. In this house and in this conference, God is about to reach out and separate somebody unto the work that he has called and that work will be different. It won't be running with the gang. It won't be just another boy that looks like all the other boys. It will be an individual that God personally puts his hand on and says, he's mine, he's mine. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And God knows just where to take every one of us to create in us what he wants us and needs us to be. God's not doing this for me or you. He's doing this for his kingdom and for his glory.
And it takes someone submitted and sold out, submitted and sold out to be willing to suffer. We don't like to hear that word anymore. But Jesus Christ learned obedience through suffering himself. That's what the Bible says. Are y'all going to get off here? This, uh, I'm trying not to stop this train, but I'm afraid if I stop at one little juncture, somebody will get off when we start talking about where it really gets down to what God wants to do. I feel destiny in this house. I felt differently about this admit than any other because I really feel right here this week is where there's going to be some individuals separate themselves as never before to the work of God that is before us. And without it, without it, our efforts, we might as well to check in and, and turn it out to pasture because it's not going to work. All that we're doing, all you've been taught year after year up to now until somebody sees that the hand of God is upon you to separate you to the work he has called you to. Let me, let me go on. Let me go on. Hallelujah. Something about God. I could talk about a little bit about his creation. All the planets and all the stars. Not a one of them's alike. But his hand put them there. I could talk about even the vegetation and everything that he formed. And it grows up continually every year. Yet no blade of grass is just alike. No flower is cloned. Mm -hmm. God made it with his own hand. God put it together. Hallelujah. I think it is not wise for us to compare ourselves among ourselves. I think it is not wise. It's all right for you to have a mentor. It's all right. And we say it sometimes. I say it. I say when I grow up, I want to be just like Brother Howard. You know, when I grow up. And, and we say that, and I know we say that in, in a teasing manner. Let me tell you something. God wants every one of us to be his sanctified individuals set apart for his work. For his work. For his cause. For his purpose. We are handmade of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Just like I remember and think about my mother, wonder what she was thinking while she's being creative and putting that together. I wonder what God is thinking when he reaches down into your life and he's got his hand. David said, I understood all of this by the writing of God, of his hand upon me. I want to give you a little consolation that when the hand of God writes, the same hand that writes, the writer said, he has engraved my name in his hands. Just remember that the hand that's moving and etching and changing you also has your name written right in it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We don't like to talk about pain. 
Now, Brother Moody has more than I've heard him preach about it. And I refer to him because he just set the stage for what I'm talking about. He, he don't know how my wife and I, just when he told us about just have enough heat in that little travel trailer, just, uh, just make it another mile and the cold old wind and just get enough, go get a little propane to put in there and, and uh, the bare necessities of food. Sometimes he was hungry. And I want to tell you, we, we look and say, well, I'm glad that's him, but that'll never be me. You never know what the hand of God will have to do to design you. I believe in divine design. I believe the hand of God will individualize you. He knows where you're going. You tell Saul of Tarshish the things. You just tell him, baptize him. And an ice, baptize him. Because there's many things and let him know that he must suffer for my name's sake. I tried to take that word suffer and, and use it like you can in other places in the Bible where it means to allow. Suffer little children, come unto me, allow them, bid them come. But when I went to work on that word, oh no, it, it, mean to, it meant to have a passion and to feel pain deeply. Mm -hmm. When he called him out of, he had already done some working in the life his hand, before he went on the road to Damascus, his hand had already been molding some things. His hand had already been designing some things. But on that day, when he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And that day he submitted himself completely and totally into the mighty hand of God. And God began to work his work. Well, straightway he preached. And then three years, he already said it, on the backside of nowhere. I wonder what he learned on the backside of nowhere. I tell you, when you hear his own testimony, he brought forth revelations. He brought forth mysteries and things that God, but God couldn't have taught him that out in the flow of things. Maybe I'm talking to some pastor. You wonder why you feel like you're on the backside of nowhere. Why don't you wake up and understand God might have you in a position to teach you some of the most intimate Wonderful things. And the voice of God wants to speak to you every night in your dilemma in the place. I'm just talking to you because I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Somebody hear me. That's the hand of God shaping, molding. Hallelujah. Brother Howard, First Peter 5, if you would, if you would, please. And uh, Acts 13 and 2 there had been prayer meeting and ministry, and, the, and the, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Saul, and Barnabas, or Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I have called them to. Mm, nobody likes the idea of being separated. 
My, shouldn't we all, if we live in a metropolitan area, shouldn't we all meet over at, uh, back in uh, my days around Tulsa, we all met at Denny's. <laughs> when I was an evangelist here, uh, just a couple of years ago, you know, but when we, they'd all meet and discuss this and discuss that and discuss that. And, uh, you know, the, the gang mentality. And, and uh, we just got, well, it's great to have fellowship. And it's been wonderful the last few years. Just, just about everywhere I go, one of, one of some of you ministers here or there, and we enjoy fellowship together. And that's good. I'm not knocking that. But I'm talking tonight about somebody that may not know a lot of fellowship. Somebody that might not know a lot about seeing somebody every week. We've been there. We've been there. You know, let me just get on to, to something here, but go ahead, if you would, brother, and let's do First Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Now, uh, brother, brother Moody and I, you know, I was in Colorado when I got this, and he was in somewhere, Arkansas, or someplace. And so uh, this, this just fits with what he was telling you. Submit yourself, you younger, to the elder. And then be subject one to another. I think he quoted this. Uh, clothed with humility. Mm -hmm. I want you to hear this. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand. Of, we're talking about handmade. We're talking about being handmade under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. Well, I can feel the hand of God working. I can feel God wanting to reach in this place and say, I want to put my hand on that young man. How many times have we now as elders witnessed the hand of God is on him? And it wasn't because he could get loud and spit in the microphone. It wasn't because he had some kind of style about his preaching. It's just something about the hand of God witnessed and how God was moving him in his lifestyle, in his prayer life, moving him into a place where God could fashion him and shape him and make something handmade out of him. Thank God for the influence of elders. Thank God that he uses us sometimes to help fashion and shape young men. But Brother Moody summed it up. It is the hand of God that really makes us what we are. It is our relationship with Him that really brings us to fruition in Him. Separate me, Saul and Barnabas. You see, I've lived long enough to have witnessed the hand of God upon men. I could tell some personal experiences. Perhaps I will in a little bit. But the brother Howard sitting over here hadn't always been just like this brother Howard. We used to push grocery carts through a parts department and collect starters and fenders and 
nuts and bolts and a few other things. Used to ride to work together down on the East Dex Freeway, just riding to work together. And one of our friends had a 59 Chevy and, and the floorboard had rusted out on it. On that day, if old brother Murphy fixed them pimento cheese sandwiches, if we paved the highway on the way to work with pimento cheese sandwiches. <laughs> so what's that got to do with it? Well, we come a long way, baby. <laughs> but I never forget the times also. Oh, I could tell you of hilarious times, and, and we, we talk about them often. We, we, get, we reminisce a lot while we can still remember. But, but uh, when you see, uh, when you see, every once in a while, the hand of God reach in, and the challenge come to the doctrine, and watch the student rise up and say, "Is this way?" You know, that 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 doctrine that they tried to talk about the ape was a, or the serpent was an ape. Remember that. And boy, you talk about Brother Howard. But you know what? That challenge, not in rebellion to elders, but, but for what was right and truth. Man, I'm telling you, it started shaping and fashioning a man that stands stalwart and true and doesn't put up with any foolishness when it comes, any unique ideas when it comes to the doctrines of this Bible. I know you're curious about that ape thing, but I think you can go read Adam Clark or somebody, and he kind of suggested in there. Don't go read that. You don't need to fool with that and mess with your mind. But but maybe I'm dealing with that here. I, don't, I hope not. But anyway, anyway, and and to watch God put individuals and many individuals in this place. I I, I remember Beggs, and I remember uh, the the meager. The, the meager means, and uh, I've heard them talk about their times there. You know what was incredible? When the hand of God is on you and you're suffering, it just don't feel like you're suffering. When the hand of God is shaping you and molding you, you just submitted to it, and it just feels right. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. Rather be picking up aluminum cans than making a hundred grand a year. That's when the hand of God is upon you. That's when the hand of God is shaping and molding and making you into what he wants you to be. Folks, this is all God gave me to talk to you about tonight. God wants to some handmade individuals that will allow, submit yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God and let him start working on you. Talking to you, putting things in your heart, putting vision in your heart. Oh, oh. Oh, God. The other day, I was uh, at my nephew's funeral just down in Henrietta, and I walked into a, a little old place there. A man walked up to me, and he told me his name. And I said, well, I would never dreamed that I'd meet you here. And he, he was in church with me 
I was in church with him one night. He's much older than me. And I'll never forget that night that he looked down and, and he talked to me. And he, he said, Tommy, God has his hand on you. And he said, I won't tell you this. I'm not exactly prophesying, but he said, I just want you to listen. I feel impressed. You're going to preach in many, many places, and God's going to give you many, many souls. Well, here I am, just a little old kid, but I never forgot that. I never forgot that. And he said, there'll be many trials and many struggles, but God wants to use you. And there stood that man the other day. And I said, I'll never forget that church service. Here's what you told me. And I said, Kenneth, it has come to pass that I've preached in many nations. And, I've, and God's been kind to me. But I said, I just don't want to take time to tell you what all it took to get here. I will tell you, you will pastor people who don't love you, but you need to pastor them. Because you can't deal with people when you look at them on the fact that, well, they love me and I love them, I'll be their pastor. you got to pastor people that don't love you, that might hate you. I'm talking about the hand of God. I pastored in one place that... Uh, you know, they said, well, if you're going to be here next Sunday, I'm not going to be. I've heard them say, oh, I hate to hear him preach. I told my wife that. They always, that's another thing, we'll deal with that later. But <laughs> they can't get to you, they get to your wife, or try to. Y'all hearing me? And you pastor people like that. And boy, you want to rise up with a personal vindictiveness. You want to. And all of a sudden you realize they're wrong. They need help. And I'm all they got to help them. And God sent me here to help them. So well, if they don't like me, I, no, I don't think so. God will teach you by his hand upon you. I'm telling you, there's nothing etches, though painful, like the handwriting of God upon an individual. Sometimes there's nothing hurts like the hand of God writing. Nothing is painful, but you've got to stick to it because this is his way when you love people who actually hate you. Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus did. Jesus did. And if we're going to pastor his people and lead his people, we will have to take on his attributes. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I heard, I heard men talking last evening about the, about the salmon and we all have heard the story how it struggles upstream until it, after a seven-year venture out into the Pacific, into Japan. His brother Bass telling us this. Thank you. Hope you wasn't going to use it later. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But he, he told how it made its seven-year venture out into the Pacific, all the way to Japan, down to Australia. And I was so impressed, Brother Bass. Thank you. And it, it comes back up through the locks and the channels until it finds its spawning ground. 
But there's another minister over here. He's, he put another little addition to that. And he learned this on the other coast over there. And he said that, that uh, uh, they have to actually lift them, those salmon in nets and take them all the way across this one place because humanity has created a, a place in that river where the water is still. It's a lake. And he said that particular type of salmon will not swim through still water. It has to have the challenge and the movement to find its direction. Some of you looking for the still waters. And there's those swift currents of opposition that come into your face. That's because God is trying to mold you and make you and fashion you and bring you into a place where you can work for him. Get out of the still murky waters, the stagnant waters, and begin to swim upstream in prayer, in fasting, in seeking God, in studying the word of the Lord. In one of my books several years ago, I think it might have been Biblical Illustrator, but I, I read an article there about a turn of the century, not this century, but the century before scientists who, who brought these little cocoons, he pulled them and took them to his lab and he lay them out there and he watched as behind that, that cocoon he saw movement and later as he studied those he saw heavy struggle and he saw uh, heavier struggle and he just couldn't stand it so he took his little scalpel and he opened up one of those uh, one of those cocoons and there was a beautiful mammoth butterfly in perfection so beautiful and he helped it and pulled it out and it was only a little while until it died and it it uh, it just died and then he noticed others that he had brought and finally, he, he just let them lay there, and it struggled, and there were times he couldn't hardly resist taking the scaffold and opening it up, but uh, he, he, he finally waited until one day it burst forth, and that butterfly began, big mammoth butterfly, began to fly around that room, and through his scientific studies, he discovered that without that struggle, in getting free from that cocoon that that butterfly loses its strength. Its heart won't perform right. Its wings will have no strength. It took the struggle. I'm talking to people in this house today that there's some struggles ahead, but it's the hand of God fashioning, forming, shaping. Wouldn't we all like to have a hundred grand a year wouldn't we all like to drive new automobiles every year? Wouldn't we all like to just just parade around with our oratory and our ability to, to, to holler in the microphone and move a crowd? And it's happening today, but that's not what God wants out of the young men and ladies in this place. He wants somebody who would submit themselves under the hand of God. Will you stand with me? I have a lot more here. 
when I read verse 75, I want to read you something I jotted down about the faithfulness of God in affliction. God would not be faithful to us if he saw we needed some kind of affliction and withheld it from us. He wouldn't be faithful. Nor would he be true to his character. If God simply let us go, we would go to our own careless ways. God is too loving to be unkind and too faithful to his own character to neglect our discipline. He'll take care of us. He knows just exactly what we need to build the kind of discipline into our lives. We won't bolt and run with every wind of doctrine. We won't be swayed by certain concepts and principles of church growth and how to grow a church by means that are not of his spirit. Can't be done. Oh, they're building assemblies. The denominal world has done it for years. Sands the spirit of God through manipulating minds, thriving organizational techniques. We can fall for it. Or we can say, oh God, put your hand on me. Make me God. Make me God. I may have said this in this assembly some years ago, but the prodigal, when he left, said, it's mine. It belongs to me. Give it to me. When he came back beaten and broken, before he ever got all the way to the farm, I will say to my father, make me as one of thy servants. Sometimes it's a long trip from give me to make me. But if we're going to let God do anything with us, it's not give me, Lord. It's make me. Make me, Lord. I know that we're not just in the midst of great emotion right now, but I think that's right. I think somewhere right here in this room, somebody knows the hand of God is upon you and been dealing with you. You're going to go the way of the world, the way of the rest of the religious world, and some of the ecclesia that's going that way, are you going to say, no, God? I want to be what you want me to be. I want you to make me. Somewhere in this conference is a Saul and a Barnabas that God said, separate me for the work I have for them. And you won't leave here the same. You won't leave here the same. You leave here with direction. Perhaps even with the laying on the hands. I feel God in this house. Bow your head before you come. I want somebody to say, Lord, put your hand on me and make me.
I want to be made by the hand of God. I want my anointing to be pure from you. I want my direction to be the orientation of the Holy Ghost. I want my calling to be individual from you, Lord. I love it's all that's going to keep you when the hour is dark. <laughs> I know of situations right here in this room that if they listened to their own human reasoning, they'd break and run. But the call of God, the hand of God, keeps them steadfast. Holding on. While Brother Pixler sings, are those who the hand of God is upon. And you know God is calling you from the world you've been in. I didn't say worldliness. It's your own world and not His world. It's your own thinking and not His thinking. Submit yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, He will exalt you. Somebody want to walk that aisle as Brother Pixler sings. <laughs> My heart, oh God, come and stand in His presence. Come, oh God. Oh God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Could we move on a little closer to the front? There's a lot of people trying to get to the altars. Come on up and fill up some of this space around the front. Thank you.